Beautiful fade out, Sean, on the music. Thank you so much. That was great. Uh, I do want to pour, point out Laura Bissonette and embarrass her a little bit. She has been cooking up. Is she in the nursery? Don't tell. Oh, there she is. She has been baking donuts, uh, 74 dozen donuts for the last couple weeks for our church. She hand bakes all of those. Can we just give her a hand? Because I don't know about you, but nothing says worship like some donuts. I mean, it's just like you get that, dip it in the coffee. Um, so, and, uh, I'm going to have to start setting aside the sugar ones. I don't mind the plane, but they're only, they're the only ones left at the end of the church service. So they're the ones I get, I get to enjoy on my way home. So, um, if somebody wants to save me a sugar one, you may gain some points. I'm just saying. Um, so we've been going through, I uh, just catch everybody up. So, uh, we beat the church up for about eight weeks and we talked about idols in our lives and that was kind of an exciting uh, time, it definitely was a transformative series for me um, in preparation and then in presentation. Uh, I hope it was like that for you all as we sort of did a heart check of uh, different idols that may have invaded our lives. Uh, and, uh, but now we are in the season of Advent, and as we talked about uh, last week, Advent is sort of this churchy term that we use for the, the four weeks leading up to Christmas, and uh, it's been around for quite some time within the church, and there's a theme each of the four weeks uh, that carries over each year and uh, maybe uh, taught about differently each year, uh, but the themes stay the same. And so week one, uh, last week we looked at hope, and uh, week two of Advent, which is this week, uh, we're going to look at the idea of pre preparing ourselves for the coming of Jesus and or uh, being available uh, for, for God's service. And then week three, next week will be joy. And week four is love. So these are, uh, the whole idea of Advent is that we are taking uh, four, four and a half weeks to prepare our hearts uh, to celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ uh, at Christmas Eve. And, uh, at Christmas, but we'll celebrate on Christmas Eve. Um, and so uh, we would just want to take time and look at that. So this morning, one of the best ways uh, with a theme of preparation and, and, and availability for God's use, one of the best ways to be prepared for the Messiah's coming uh, is to be available for his use. Uh, and so I, I do want to clarify, um, we're not asking the question, are you single and ready to mingle? When we talk about being available, uh, we're talking about uh, being available for God's use, not, not posting a status on the internet that says you are single and ready to mingle and, and that you're you know, preparing yourself for, uh, yeah, we'll just not go there uh, this morning. Um, but the idea that Advent, that the idea uh, this Advent is that our faith in God should not be waiting uh, for the perfect conditions. You know, one of the, the kind of the theme for us as a church as you walk through is, is your availability weather dependent. So each week we're looking at, uh, last week we looked at was our hope weather dependent. And this week we want to look at the ideas, uh, the idea of is your availability for God's use weather dependent? Does it change as different circumstances around you change or as you uh, or, or are you just waiting for the perfect conditions 
to then be ready for God to use you in amazing ways. And this morning we're going to be going through, as we did last week, uh, we're going through the first couple of chapters in Luke. And so, uh, not all in one week, but we're going through uh, this morning the, uh, the story of Mary. And so, as we uh, read and, and dissect this story of Mary and the angel coming with, uh, with news for Mary, I want you to look at how she responds to God by being available for His use. Um, the, the same is true uh, about our availability as was with hope. Um, Something is going on, Jacob. I'm a little bit nervous. Ambiance. How did that happen? I'm not even sure how that happened. Jacob is so good, he can just control it. Did you do that from your phone? You did that to your phone. Okay. The sermon was that bad. He's like, Ryan, just stop. We're going into the closing song. We're ending this baby. Um, so if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to ask this question down. Is your availability for God's use weather dependent like that that's what i want that's what i want so if you're a note taker that's where i'll go slower is our availability for god fair weather like like do we say god i need the perfect conditions before i'm going to be ready for you to use me or am i just ready at a moment's notice for god to change the trajectory potentially of my life potentially this morning of your eternity are you ready for god to change that in you so let's read in luke uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Uh, so Luke chapter 1, so this is, if you're uh, not familiar with the Bible, there are Bibles in the pews in front of you and underneath you. Um, you'll look goofy if you try to reach underneath, but if you reach forward, you'll be good. Um, uh, so Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 26 and following, Luke is the third gospel, and so we're probably uh, well over three quarters of the way through the Bible. So Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke, if you hit John, do a U-turn. So Luke Chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he became to, uh, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his king, in his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be born, uh, will be called Holy, Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age uh, has also conceived a son. And in this sixth month with her, uh, who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am your servant, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray and then we'll kind of dive into these, uh, these verses together. God, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for its perfection. God, as we open your word and, and begin to uh, dissect these verses and walk through this a little bit this morning. God, I pray that your spirit would teach us, that you would guide us through this time, uh, that you make my, my words clear and, and my thoughts clear as I present the message, Lord, and that you would uh, just be with the listener also in Christ's name. Amen. 
So uh, here's where we're going. So we're going to just walk through these verses a little bit together and pull out some, some good nuggets. And then we're going to kind of uh, boil this down into just a couple uh, few points of application at the end of this. So let's take uh, verse 26 and 27. Uh, we'll we'll kind of start there and, and move on down. So in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to God to the city of Galilee, uh, named Naz, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So uh, first thing we notice there is that we're, we're in the town of Nazareth. And so uh, just to paint a little bit of a picture for you that will kind of come into play later, uh, Nazareth was probably a town with just a few hundred people in it. Um, some people think there may have been closer to a thousand. Most people believe there was just maybe a max of maybe 200 people. Uh, it probably was just one family clan. And so uh, you would have uh, you know, great-grandmother and then uh, grandmother, grandfather, and, and children, and so on and so forth. And they have just uh, all the cousins are living in this town as the population slowly uh, grows. Um, this was also, Nazareth was also a Roman outpost. And so uh, you would have lots of soldiers uh, positioned in this area also uh, that would come in and go out uh, through this area. It was a rough, rough town uh, due to all the soldiers. Uh, you can imagine uh, all the ideas in people's head. Uh, a few months later, when Mary began to show that she was with child, you can imagine the rumors that were spread with all the Roman soldiers in town uh, and uh, just all the ideas that people may have had in their heads. And this was mainly a town uh, where they did, uh, they had a lot of vineyards, and so farming was definitely an industry in the town. Um, another important nugget out of this first verse uh, you see there, the house of David is mentioned. And so this is one of the most important pieces of uh, the Christmas story, the, the coming of the Messiah, uh, uh, Jesus, is all these prophecies that were given, you know, 600 years prior to Christ coming, all these prophecies that would be fulfilled. And, and, and Nazareth is, is a part of uh, it, the, the, places that, the place that Christ is born in Bethlehem. And then uh, the idea uh, that Mary is a part of the, the house of David as well as, um, as Joseph, if you read there. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent uh, from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And so this is an important part of the prophecy. Multiple times throughout the Old Testament, it's mentioned uh, in 2 Samuel and Isaiah and Jeremiah. They all reiterate this idea that the Messiah is coming, and the Messiah is coming through uh, the lineage of King David. Uh, there's also uh, a nod in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, about the virgin birth. Both these are uh, imperative to the Messiah. These were both signs that people were watching for to have happen in the Messiah. And so they were watching the lineage of David and all the way down through the generations. They were watching and looking for the Messiah to come through the lineage of David. On top of that, they were also uh, looking uh, for this uh, to happen through a virgin birth. And so... Uh, important uh, fact that Luke adds in uh, the reiterating of this story. Verse 28 and 29. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Why do you think she was a little bit troubled? 
Why do you think she was a little bit troubled? You know, one of the exciting things about these, like, all right, I mean, you're just hanging out. You're just doing your thing at this point. She doesn't have the entire message, and yet uh, she doesn't know what's coming down the pipeline yet. What's this guy going to say? And all of a sudden, there's an angel, and, and her response is to be troubled. And he came to her and said, greetings, oh, favored one. Like, all right, what do you want? <laughs> you know, like, all right, what's going on here? But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Why was she greatly troubled? He starts by saying, oh, favored one. You know, there's this, this piece of the story. And, and honestly, in church history, we have not done a very good job. We have not done a very good job at all because for the first 1,500 years, we took the story of Mary and the virgin birth, and what we made it is into is, is Mary was this perfect candidate, and she was, uh, she was perfect and perfectly pleasant in every way. You know, like she was just, she was the exact right character of, of person to do this job. God looked out and he looked for a person to do this job. And Mary was so righteous, so perfect, so sinless, some people in the church had said for 1,500 years, that she must be the one that was chosen because she was so good. And then what we've done for the last 500 plus years is we've looked at the person of Mary, and we said, well, we don't want to fall into believing that Mary was sinless and perfect, so we just won't talk about Mary a whole lot. Mary is a phenomenal character study in the Scripture, and we can learn a lot from her response, and we will today, I hope when you leave, uh, that you'll have a few nuggets from Mary. But the angel starts by saying, O favored one, grace is all the way through the story and the choosing of Mary for this job. There wasn't a whole lot particularly spectacular about Mary that made her a great candidate for this job. But grace is through the beginning of this message. When the angel comes to her and looks at her, he starts the message and he says, Oh, favored one. It was a decision by God to favor her. It's grace. She didn't earn God's choosing of her, but she did allow herself to be a vessel and be available for God's use. So here's how she responds to the call that's about to come at her. Verse, verse 30 and following. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him uh, the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Can you imagine receiving that message? Like, she's just hanging out. Maybe she's just sipping her afternoon tea. I don't know what it looks like. But she's hanging out and the angel comes to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Favor, again, favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb bear a son and his name will be Jesus. He's going to be the son of the Most High. She's troubled because God looked at her and God bestowed this great grace all over her and she feels exposed. When God shows up and God speaks, 
there is this uh, knowing that God has so deep in your soul that when God speaks through this uh, message that's being delivered to her, she feels completely exposed. The angel veils no details that this is going to be God's child in her womb. And here's her response in verse 34. Here's her response in verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? Do you remember last week we look at Zachariah's response? And his, he, he, he responds almost in the same way that Mary responds here. By saying, how? How can you do this? Uh, Zechariah was the, the father of, of John the Baptist. And when the angel came to him, he said, how can we do this? Because this, 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 and this. And this week we've got Mary. And Mary's response is with a right heart. Remember last week, Zach uh, was struck down. He, he was not allowed to speak until the child was born. He was punished and reprimanded for questioning the angel. And this week, Mary's not. Mary hears the message. Mary hears this incredible message, this only God message, right? Only a message that can come from God. And her response is just simply looking for clarification. She, she's, she's asking a logistical question. How is this going to happen again? That's kind of her response. But her heart is like, yes, I want to obey you. And here's the response is that the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow her. Uh, this is a, a haze of, of uh, brilliancy is like the, the, the literal translation. Or envelop her in a shadow. I, I read this in one of the, one of the Greek books that I, that I was going through this week. And it said the Holy Spirit exerts creative energy upon Mary's womb. You see, this is directly opposed to, uh, to the culture. The Greek and Roman culture was filled with a bunch of selfish gods that would come down and they would cohabitate with, uh, with human beings and they would have uh, demigods. If you're, if you're into Greek or, or, or uh, Roman mythology, you know that you've heard of this, that they're, they're half man and they're half gods. And, and it was all a selfish thing. When God decides that he's going to utilize Mary and that Mary is the one that he's chosen, that he formed her, he called her out before the foundations of the world, he had planned this, and then he invites her to participate in what he's about to do. It is beautiful. This isn't a God that's using a human being. This is a God that has, has formed her, fashioned her, prepared her for this, and it's absolutely Beautiful what's about to happen. God is going to, uh, through his Holy Spirit, envelop her in, in love and care, and she's going to uh, carry the Son of God himself. Mary said, Behold, I am your servant of the Lord. In verse 38, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. There was no hesitation if she was text messaging with the angel. It would have simply been a thumbs up. I mean, it just, a, just a little smiley face emoji and a thumbs up. That's all it was. It was she's ready for what God has for her. Her heart is fully available for God's use. It doesn't matter all the details. God, God's gracious to give them to her, but her heart is ready. I'm available. I'm ready for whatever God has got for me. As we pan back from the story, 
What this story shines is her availability for God's use. What it shines is her availability for God, God's use. Uh, you see God's hand in it. When we look at the story of Mary, we see a person who was approached by the Lord, who was chosen by the Lord, who would be overshadowed by the Lord, and she would have the impossible done for her. And the only thing that mattered was that she was available for God's use. In her particular story, and this is a good, this is kind of a star point. Uh, in her particular story, it did matter to fulfill prophecy um, that she was a virgin. Uh, it mattered where she lived. Uh, it, it mattered who she would be married to. But it was because of the fulfillment of the Messiah prophecies. Isn't it great that for you and I, there's not those little stipulations? To be available for God's use, you don't have to have a checklist all checked off of God. Do I have this going for me? Do I have this figured out? Do I have this figured out? Have I made progress in this? And then I'll be ready for God to use me. Do you know that that's wiped away? That's what the cross does. The question is not where are you from to be available for God's use. The question is, I'm going to, from here on out, I'm going to actually preach. Uh, the question is not, are you qualified for God's use? He doesn't ask for your paperwork that's up on the wall next to your desk at work. He doesn't ask for any of that. You don't need to have letters after your name or before your name. He doesn't ask how many talents you bring to the table. He doesn't ask, and this is a good one, are you a virgin? Right? Like He doesn't do that for you to be available for God's use. Somebody laughed. That was actually a funny one I thought. <laughs> He doesn't ask if you've been married before. He doesn't ask what your fa biological family is like. He doesn't ask what kind of car you drive. He doesn't ask if you own or rent your, your, your home. He doesn't ask how much money's in the bank. God is looking for people who are available for his use. read this quote from uh, an old school theologian. He said, you don't need to be special, but you do have to need... I'm sorry, let me repeat that. You don't have to be special, but you do have to need to be available. And I say it in that accent because his name is Winky. Uh, that's the <laughs> Winky uh, Patney. And so uh, the question is, am I available? So I'm going to ask four questions to help us to distill out whether at this point you are available for God's use. Number one, are you responsive to God's voice? Number one, are you responsive to God's voice? How long did it take Mary to respond? The, the very next verse. I mean, she is just waiting and excited. I'm she, a little startled. I mean, come on. She's going to be giving birth to God. And so, um, so she's a little startled, but she's immediately like, she doesn't ask God, give me a week to think about whether I'm in or out. You know, let me, like, how many of us have ever done that with God's will? Like, all right, I feel a prick to do this. God's leading me to do that. But I just need a week to, to figure out, and I need God to show me a sign, and I need this, and I need that to be able to obey God. No, no, no. She hears the word of God through an angel, and she's immediately responsive to God's voice. You see, here's what fair weather availability says. Did I really hear that? 
or maybe that's great, but. Like, God, did you know how busy I am right now? Like, maybe in six months. One of the guys that really invested a lot in my life from afar uh, was a guy named Henry Blackaby. And uh, you hear a lot of his quotes. I just don't always give him credit because I've said them so much they became my quotes. Um, But uh, he says this. He said, reading God's word is an encounter with God. You know, we all want signs. We all want God to speak into our lives. And God's already spoken. This is why we call the Bible God's word. That's when we... We say, uh, open God's word, we mean open the Bible. It's interchangeable. Although these are words that God has spoken, Scripture says that this is alive and active. So when we open the Bible, we don't need to be a people that are waiting for a sign to do something. We don't need to wait for everything to work out before we're ready to obey and follow the Lord in different areas. God's already spoken. So when you read this, you are hearing from the Lord. And so the question may not be in the idea of are you responsive to God's voice, are you responsive to His written word? That when you read something in here, it pricks your heart. And I'll tell you, one of the best and most simple things uh, to reading God's word is to just systematically go through the Scriptures. You can do your own reading plan, But God tends to meet us when we systematically begin to go through God's Word. So that may look like you just choose today, I'm going to start reading through the Gospels. Don't stop. Don't jump to other places. You know, like these flipper Christians that just grab the Bible and go, ah, that's what God spoke to me. You know, like, it's just, it's so dangerous. But but if we're systematically reading through God's Word, and you are coming, and here's important, anticipatory that God is going to speak to your heart, that God is going to direct your path, that God is going to breathe encouragement on you, that He's going to speak, and you might need to change, but you're ready to do that. If you come to God's Word anticipatory every day, God will speak to you. And that's not just Christianity hocus pocus. That's actually the design of why we even have the scriptures. It's to sure, absolutely, illuminate Christ and make him brighter and more glorious to us every time we read it and we see him, Old Testament, New Testament. Like, absolutely, those are important. But we've got to become people who are daily in God's word. It may be that you pick a book of the Old Testament and you go from the beginning to the end, but you do it. And as you go through, you learn something. Uh, maybe it's that you, and one of the best reading plans that I've ever done is pick some of the smaller books in the New Testament and you read through one of those books that are maybe one or three or four chapters long and you read it every day for 30 days. And by the end of it, you've almost memorized an entire book of the Bible. But that you take time and you let this sink into you and then you respond to it. Right? Like... um, it's just part of who we are, folks. Number two, are you willing to risk failure to accomplish what God has laid on your heart? So question of are we available for God? Are you willing to risk failure to accomplish what God has laid on your heart? You see, fair weather availability looks at the possibility of a win and stays inside by the warm fire. Fair weather availability looks at the possibility of a win 
or failure and stays inside by the fire. If your spiritual life has been filled with easy wins and you only enter the arena of God's calling on your life, when it seems like it's easy, you will fail. You will fail. Uh, Think about the patriarchs of the faith. Think about some of these Old Testament folks. God comes to Abraham and he says, hey, I want you to move across the street from your dad and I want your life to be blessed and I never want you to leave. You know, it was easy. So Abraham obeyed, right? No, no, God told Abraham, I want you to take everything you've, ha- you've got. I want you to take your children, I want you, or your, your relatives. I want you to take your, um, all your servants. I want you to take all your cattle. I want you to take all your sheep. And I want you to go to a place that you don't know. And by the way, it's inhabited by all of your enemies. You're going to be in enemy territory the whole time. It's impossible apart from faith in God. And Abraham gets up and he grabs everything and he goes. And God over and abundantly blesses him for his obedience to God. Is that easy? Did he look at the weather and say, well, no, no. Abraham heard from the Lord and he went, even though it was what? Hard. Everybody say that loudly, hard. One, two, three. Hard. Yes, it's okay to do hard things for the Lord. In fact, that's oftentimes where you find God. You think about David. This guy risks everything, embarrassment in front of his brothers, his own life, to go out and to stand toe-to-toe with the giant. Is that easy? No, it's hard. So this is maybe for some of you more seasoned believers, but... Are you willing to risk failure to accomplish what God has put on your heart to do? Are you willing to risk being embarrassed? Like you think of Mary, you will be son of the most high God. She puts her marriage on the line, her betrothal to Joseph. Betrothal was sort of the second stage of marriage. You'd begin with getting to know uh, the families and, and you'd be in this season of preparation for the wedding and uh, it was essentially a glorified uh, engagement. Um, but things would have already been essentially traded uh, between the families. There would be money that was handed over, some sort of dowry that would have been paid in this period. There was a lot of embarrassment on the line for her to come out of this news. She could have been stoned for coming out with this news if Joseph had wanted. In fact, Joseph could have been stoned too. And she sees this hard thing and she moves forward. Can you imagine the idea, and you don't want to talk about hard, you're going to have to raise God's son. And you ever try to raise a kid that never makes a mistake? Like, what, you just swat aimlessly? Like, I'm sure you did something wrong. You know, like, I mean, imagine that, a kid that never does anything wrong. You guys have some of those? Okay. Um, It was a fun moment, right? Kids that never make mistakes. But you talk about pressure. And this woman said, no, I'm risking my family relationships, my community. Remember her community? They're all her extended family. All her aunts and uncles, they all know her business. She risks everything. If we're only going to do easy things that are an easy win and never do anything new and never do anything hard that the Lord is directing us to, I got got bad news for you. You might be out of God's will. 
if you're only doing easy things that you know and can see the victory in, there's no reason to rely on the Lord. And you're missing a whole joy in relying on the Lord when you can't see the end from the beginning, when you can't see your face in front of you in the snowstorm. Number three, when God speaks something to your heart, do you respond with excitement or dread? When God speaks something to your heart, do you respond with excitement or dread? Fair weather availability looks for reasons to say no. If I'm somebody who is looking for um, uh, to just be uh, available on my terms, then all I'm doing, when I hear from the Lord, I'm looking for a reason to say, no, that's not God's will. No, that's not God's will. But there's an eagerness in Mary, isn't there? She's like, how? How? How is this going to happen? I'm, so, I'm ready for the next chapter. How is this going to happen, God? Right? Like, she's like this MMA fighter in a pre-fight, you know, let's go. Bring it on. Come on, Lord. You know, like, it, 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 you know, the, the, the ring announcer says, let's get it on. You know, like, she's ready to just next chapter. I'm ready for this. I'm excited. I believe God's got something more for me in the next chapter. I'm ready to go. It's the heart of somebody that's available. They're not dragging their feet. It's not God got you in a headlock, you know, like, again, a kid reference when you're in the grocery store and you're, or in a toy store around Christmas, and your kid's got all the toys and he's throwing them in the basket. You just headlock them and you walk with the cart. You know what I'm saying? If that's you and God's will, that God has to put you in a headlock to just get you to do anything, I'm sorry. But your availability is based on the weather report. It's not based on a heart that's ready to follow and is eager to follow God. Do you have the bravery to ask what Mary did? God, what's my part in this story? What's my part? So when God's Spirit just, man, He moves you in one way or another, and you just feel like something's got to change, something's got to give, God is directing you to do something about something, do you ask the question, God, what's my part? Or do you look for a reason to say no? Number four, do you strive for step-by-step -step obedience no matter the cost? Do you strive for step-by-step -step obedience no matter the cost? Fair weather availability looks at the cost and says it's too rich for my blood. It, it predetermines what you will do by how much the bill looks like it's going to cost you. Uh, the ROI, return on investment. Like if it doesn't look like I'm going to get enough out of this, then God, I'm sorry, but I'm out. And, and Mary does an absolute beautiful job of this. She just destroys this in the way that we see her availability to God. Here's what her answer was in verse 38. Behold, I am your servant. Do you know what that means? Bond slave. The ESV just cleans it up so it sounds a little bit more fluffy. That means she's somebody with a debt, and she's selling herself to God. God, I'm your slave. Fluffy Christmas message, right? God, I'm, I'm, I'm your slave. She wasn't worried about what she was going to get out of this story. Whatever the cost.
What if God said obey and you knew, not, uh, and you knew um, that you had nothing to gain from the obedience? What if God says obey and you had nothing to gain from it? Would you still obey God? Step-by-step obedience costs you something. It costs time listening to the voice of God and being ready to adjust your schedule at a moment's notice. Number two, it can be embarrassing as others watch you operate on God's agenda and timetable and not your own. Number three, it can cost you friendships as you put God above all and other people feel like they've been left behind. It will cost you greatly to obey God. And on the front end, your return on investment may not feel like you're going to gain a whole lot. For Mary, accepting the ridicule, accepting all the shame that she just brought on Joseph, accepting all the stories that would be told about her negative, uh, negatively, uh, knowing that um, later on in her story she watches her own son be crucified, she bared a pretty big burden. A pretty big burden. Are you available for the Lord? And have you verbalized that to Him? That's my question. Are you available for the Lord to use you? And have you verbalized that to Him? The gospel message is easy. The gospel message is super easy. Even a child can understand. And we've got a God that so passionately pursued you that He saw you separated from Him because of your sin. And He took a part of Himself, His own Son, Jesus Christ, and He sent Him to walk a perfect, perfect existence on earth, to walk His walk out perfect and sinless. So that when He went to a cross, what He was able to do was to take the debt that you owe and to nail it to the cross. And He asked two things in John chapter 1, verse 12 that you take that message of Jesus Christ and His love that was poured out on a cross and you believe and you receive Jesus Christ. You believe the message and you receive Jesus Christ. That's the first step to being available is first of all, understanding how much that God loved and pursued you to a cross and He called you out of this world and into His family. And you make that commitment, you verbalize that commitment to Him. And then for believers, are you available for God to continue to use you? Like we sometimes become a little bit stagnant in our availability to God. And we can think that we're obeying, 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 and things are going great, and, and, and we're doing fine without a heart check and saying, am I really available for God's use? When is the last time God interrupted your schedule and you celebrated what God had done? If that's not a regular occurrence, you might be boxing God out from what He wants to do. Let's all stand and and we're going to sing one last uh, response song. And we're going to have a couple people out here uh, to pray with you. uh, If God's calling you to respond to the message and um, we're here uh, to encourage and pray with you. And let's pray ourselves into worship. God, thank you for your word and thank you for its perfection. Thank you that... Um, 
uh, your spirit moves in unique ways each time we meet together, Lord. And God, I pray that you would guide us, Lord, that you would, these words that were spoken, um, God, and these songs that were sung, uh, God, in the meeting together and encouraging one another, God, would just lead us closer to you when we leave them when we came. Uh, Lord, I pray that you take this uh, just a minute or two as we sing, and God, that you would um, just guide it with your spirit. Lord, help us to respond well. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, you can pray with somebody next to you. You can come forward for prayer, but we're here for you.